Washington Post critic Richard Harrington called this movie a funny, poignant, and technically proficient film. One that should thoroughly embarrass those studios that routinely offer up badly made, multi-million dollar disasters. Janet Maslin of the New York Times hailed it as an exuberant satire, uneven but tirelessly energetic, with the kind of comic bluster that can override any lapse. And timeout critic Jeff Andrews said if you value enthusiasm and imagination more than glossy sophistication, you'll laugh. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Hollywood Shuffle. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. John, Hi, Starfighters. Hi, Dan. John, how are you? Hey. I'm doing okay. I'm hanging out. I have a beer. Nice. That's something that's happening right now. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. You have a I clear have, liquid. I, I have a Zima. No, I'm just kidding. It's water. Don't kid about Zima. If look, there's no Zima shaming on this podcast. Look, I graduated high school in 1995, so I am in the key demographic to have consumed Zima. The Zima graphic generation Zima. Yeah, basically, like you were, I don't know, 18 to 25 in the mid to late 90s. Right. Yeah. Then you probably had a Zima at somehow at some point. At someone's yeah. shore house or something. <laughs> of course, it's at a shore house. For anybody not living in New Jersey, shore houses. That's where, that's where it's at. That's where generally Zima would have been Zima's consumed. consumed. Yeah, but you know what? Hey, I remember Zima being kind of refreshing. So, you know, the weather's getting nice. It's warm out. We got the hammock outside. I could go for a nice cold Zima. Not ironically. So... I'm assuming that Zima has a little bit more like sugar than something like a hard seltzer. Or is it more along the line? What are, what are you looking at me like that for? I'm sorry. I laugh every time I hear the phrase hard seltzer. I don't right. know. I'm not going to shout out name brands. No, 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 no. I'm not asking you to shout out a name brand. I just think the idea of hard seltzer is silly i'm gonna just say it i think hard and i've never tried it i haven't had it i can't say but i had like half of one and it started out tasty and then i just don't know if i it, i didn't drink it fast enough and it just i don't know didn't really satisfy me after a couple minutes I mean, are you supposed to drink it really fast i guess to just i think that like just like as it got less cold it got less interesting the, do you think that the idea the behind came through? Do you think that the idea behind something like a, a hard seltzer is is kind of playing into the day drinking crowd? It feels like it would be more yeah. socially accept. Okay, all right, yeah. So it's like more socially acceptable to have a, um, you know, to to have a a hard seltzer in the middle of the day, than than let's say I don't know, start doing Jaeger bombs. At around noon. Right. 
True. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's just 2018, 2019 hit and people were saying, I'm ready for something new, something I can consume during the day. And then here we are. And we're kind of still living in that. I want to get drunk, but I want people to be distracted when they see me drinking by the fact that I'm drinking hard seltzer and get so caught up in that concept that they forget that I'm drinking. I, I don't know. I thought maybe it took after the whole hard root beer thing, which I was like into for a summer. Oh, really? I feel like that came and went really fast. Oh, um, not in your house. No, I mean, it's been I remember it was a big it was a big thing like summer 2015. That was the year huh. of of hard root beer. Well, this is not a podcast about alcoholic beverages that are uh, fads. This is a no, podcast but- about movies and uh, how they could be reimagined nowadays as a sequel, prequel, reboot, remake. Well, I'm saying let's cancel Hard Seltzer and reboot Zima. So didn't they reboot Zima? They might. I have. thought they brought it back. I don't recall. I think Crystal Pepsi made like yeah, a little bit like of Zima a. Yeah, but I feel like Zima was part of that whole like movement. The whole mid 90s nostalgia movement. Yeah. Uh, okay, so in February 2017, this is according to Wikipedia, Miller Coors announced that they are in negotiations to bring Zima back to the U.S. market. On June 2nd, 2017, it was announced Zima would have a limited release beginning July 4th weekend. There is nothing in its timeline beyond that. So we can assume it happened? I don't know. I was not aware of it if it did. Well, anyway. It's a shame, but now, well, yeah. It's fine. Uh, so Dan, see any good movies yeah. lately? <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to think about what I've been watching that hasn't been that, uh, you know, for the purposes of, of podcasting, I don't recall seeing any, like watching anything recently. It's been a bit, it's the end of the school year and it's weird cause it's anticlimactic. Um, yeah. So, but yet it is still the end of the school year. So I'm doing things like doing like all staff zoom meetings mm-hmm. and i'm having teams zoom meetings with my classes where like you know a third of them show up and i'm just like and it's awkward and it's weird and like at the end of the call and i'm just like have a great summer okay yeah weird weird i'm i'm hanging up face or i'm clicking the leave meeting button what is the class of 2020 yearbook looking like is it just a bunch of screen grabs of Zoom sessions? Yes. I mean, we did. We had about like we had a little bit more than two thirds of the year before we shut down. So we have plenty of material. And then there's also, yeah, it's the screen grabs from the virtual spirit week and the like all the teachers. We did a recording of I took part in adapting. Oh, the places you'll go. OK. For our class of 2020. So I took most of it and kind of rewrote it because as I as I told someone on Teams who was like, you know, thanking me for doing that. And I was like, yeah, you know what? My mind automatically changes lyrics and words to things yeah. because I grew up listening to a lot of Weird Al. Right. So I'm like, this is just something my brain naturally does. So I tinkered with a lot of Oh, The Places You'll Go and then had different members of the staff read different bits and we sent in videos and 
you know, it's probably going, the rhythm of it, I'm sure, is going to be all off because breaking Dr. Seuss up into 66 written lines yeah that everyone's doing individually even though like i did a whole recording of me reading the whole thing which i think like two people listen to it's fine it's fine seuss has a cadence you gotta stick to the cadence yes it's not a consistent cadence but the everything it blends because there's there's those moments where it'll slow down and or the rhymes like the rhythm will change and it's like and oh no, what if you do? You'll be din and a 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 You know, it's it's reading Dr. Seuss is like taking a long drive down a country road. Have you seen many of the Dr. Seuss adaptation movies? And I'm not specifically talking about like the the older stuff, like the original Lorax or Grinch. I'm talking some of the newer the newer ones. I did see Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas back in, in theaters mm-hmm. in 2000. Okay. So 20 years ago. Is that the last ago. one that you saw? The last Dr. Seuss adaptation? Yeah, I didn't see like the new Lorax. I didn't see the new Grinch. I'm uh, curious about the Lorax because it is, isn't it Danny DeVito? Yes. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Kind of perfect, even if it was because it's not live action, but it could be with Danny DeVito. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, I kind of just figured with animated movies at a certain point, I was like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have a kid and she's going to want to watch all these things over. I didn't know that my kid like wouldn't be able to sit still for more than 20 minutes, though. She sits through the entire sound of music. <laughs> so she hasn't really watched any of the Dr. Seuss movies? No. Wow. No. Maggie is a big fan of Horton Hears a Who. Um, we watched the original Lorax because she likes the book, which is some pretty heavy stuff for a, a not even three-year-old. Mm-hmm. But there's some good well, stuff. I'm trying to remember what the name of it is, but there's this amazing Dr. Seuss book that's absolutely like not... It, it Oh, wow. I wish I could remember it. I can't even remember enough about it to talk about it right now. But I remember showing a video. Oh, it's about it's about nuclear war. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called. Oh, yeah. The Butter Battle Book. The Butter Battle Book. The Butter Battle Book. And the Butter it Battle was. Book? What's that? The Butter Battle Butter Book. Ba- Butter Battle Book. Butter Battle Book. And it was published in 1984. Yeah, it's it's about the, the Cold War. Huh. And it's about like just kind of the absurdity of the nuclear arms race. And there's a there was like a TV special on it too. I'm sure you, uh, it's on YouTube. I'm sure you could find it. But yeah, if you're Very not cool. familiar with the Butter Battle book in terms of Dr. Seuss, it is talking about heavy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty heavy. Well, talking about heavy stuff, let's talk a little bit about something that's a little uh, left of center. Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah, Hollywood Shuffle. Hollywood Shuffle is is a movie that comes across as being, I don't know, a bit of just like a goofy, I don't know, set of vignettes, but it actually really has a lot to say. I feel like it misses the mark in a lot of ways, but for 1987? Yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not seeing a lot of this kind of stuff. Well, no, you have to consider this is, so it's uh, Robert Townsend, making his directorial debut he you know yeah. made money uh on acting jobs and was able to fund this and he and Keenan Ivory Wayans 
wrote this screenplay, which I've seen it described as a series of vignettes, kind of like a Kentucky Fried movie, though I didn't see it as I saw it more of like a UHF. I was going when you said Weird Al before, I was like, well, we're going to talk about that dude in a little bit because that's exactly UHF, which came out two years after this. There are so many similarities to the point that they both have Rambo and Indiana Jones parodies in them. Though I would say Hollywood Shuffle's use of that is much more much more pointed, whereas in UHF, it's done more as a parody, whereas here it's it, Robert Townsend is doing more, is satirizing more of, you know, Hollywood's attitudes and sure. tendencies. And, yeah, uh, but I think that there's also still a component that is enjoying the parody aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, particularly in 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 segments like the the Rambo, Rambo, Rambo bit. Ram yeah. Rambo, yeah. Right. But there's some really there are some moments in this that are really poignant. There are some moments that are really meaningful, especially considering the kind of the reckoning moment that we're in right now in terms of yeah. Black Lives in America. And we look and and lately there's been a, a call and and it, no need for it to just be lately. It should just be constantly a check out great work by great artists, but a call to look at and discover or rediscover a lot of work by black writers, directors, producers. And, you know, we're still getting there. We still need to have much more equity in the industry 1987, there was a hell of a lot less than yeah. there is now. And oh, yeah. do you have a synopsis for Hollywood Shuffle? You know what, Dan? I do have a synopsis for Hollywood okay. Shuffle. Because I don't want to start jumping. Why don't you get to, why don't you do the, it's not the a synopsis? Long one. No, go for it. Robert Townsend plays Bobby Taylor in this semi-autobiographical satire about coming up in Hollywood as a young black actor in the 80s. Hot Dog Slinging Bobby has had a little bit of luck with his acting career, but with a big audition coming up for a movie called Jive Time Jimmy's Revenge, his excitement is through the roof. He is so blinded by his idea of success that he completely overlooks the racial stereotype that his character is meant to portray. After he nails the callback where they want to see who can pull off a dead on Eddie Murphy, Bobby lands the lead role, but is faced with a huge dilemma. Does he continue on with the part and teach his kid brother that black men are supposed to be caricatures of jive-talking pimps, or does he take the high road and leave the set? Since Bobby is a good, thoughtful man and role model, he does the latter, much to the surprise of his beloved grandmother. Woven throughout are satirical vignettes that play as daydreams, starring Townsend as a noir detective, a film reviewer, Rambro, a superhero, and has himself winning an Oscar. The running gag throughout is that Bobby can always get a job at the post office, and the movie ends with him acting in a commercial for the post office. And that's my synopsis. Yeah. It's, so, really, it's a tricky one to really synopsize. I think that if it didn't have the vignettes woven throughout, there wouldn't be as much of a story to tell, and the vignettes really do help you know, explain what the problem is with representation at that time when i think those daydreams they really drive home the inner conf that that inner conflict and kind of put you into the perspective of a young black actor who's trying to to get work and be successful but 
is having a much harder time doing that. I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's having a much harder time doing that without sacrificing values, principles, and and also, like you said, playing into the stereotype. Right. So, I mean, there's the one character who says to him, and there's so many, there's so many of these great moments that I love that they're not spotlighted, but they're really significant moments. Like the one actor at the audition who tells Robert Townsend, don't ever let them, don't, don't play a slave yeah. or a butler. Jive, turkey. This is bullshit. What? This is bullshit. What are you talking about? This is the mode of white man stereotype of a black man. Yeah, brother. Really? Yeah, brother. Only an Uncle Tom would do this shit. They just looking for somebody to sell out. Sell out? The only role they gonna let us do is a slave, a butler, or some street hood or something. Don't sell out, brother. Don't be a butler or a slave. Jesse Wilson. Jesse Wilson, you're next. That's me. Good luck, brother. <laughs> and then he winds up uh, taking really going, over the role. Yeah, over the top. So it's it's like yeah, it's easy to have your principles until you have to choose between that and the job. Yeah, and the and and the pay and and the opportunity. So throughout the story, you see the interactions with his grandmother from the beginning. Uh, grandmother played by Helen Martin of 227, yeah. 227 uh, and of other times. things. But to me, like, I'm like, I remember Helen Martin from 227 hanging out yeah. the window. So you see a lot of this, this conflict, this, like, what do I do? And you see the, the admiration of the younger brother, the kind of the mocking of the guys he works with at the hot dog place. So mm-hmm. we get John Witherspoon as the uh, as the, the manager boss. there, yeah, as the boss. Keenan Ivory Wayans in there as uh, as one of his coworkers. Right. So I like the way that they build the pressure, but they also build the the idea for the audience of what does it take to be a black guy. And he sees the guy who plays uh, the, the bat. bat? There, there's yeah. there's a bat in my house. Which oh man, you look that up and it's. I mean, the, a bat is is like that's a racial slur. Mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. I, I didn't realize that, but I thought I'm like, there's got to be something more significant. Sure. To this. Yeah. Like, it's not just some random like, I don't know, what's the most ridiculous thing we could do? I don't know, a bat. Yeah. And, you know, it's the it's a super successful black actor who sold his racial identity out. Yeah. So that's the price you have to pay for success in the eyes of, you know, this film and likely, you know, Hollywood, not even just in the eighties, you know, still, still today. Yeah. And yes, you, you said earlier, it's, it's definitely changed, but definitely not enough. No. Yeah. Cause at no. this time, you know, you have Eddie Murphy as like the, the example of an actor who kind of broke through and, it, it seems like there is also a bit of resentment. Well, I, I know that Townsend, he directed, was it Delirious? Raw. He directed Raw. Yeah, I don't know if, I didn't read it as much as like professional jealousy or envy. I I think I read it as that's 
who Hollywood sees as Mm -hmm. a black actor. And it's that they just want to find another Eddie Murphy and not not looking for the actor, but looking for someone who can represent a successful personality. Because at this point, by the time this comes out, Eddie Murphy is is a huge star. He's going to be this comes out in March 1987. So just a couple of months before Beverly Hills Cup, too. Mm hmm. Which is what, and then Raw later that year, and that that take like he's already a big star, but that just between Beverly Hills Cop and 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 Raw, like launched him, and then that's when you have you know you start to you get Coming to America and Harlem Nights, yeah. That, but I think the Eddie Murphy Nightmare was hysterical. Uh, oh yeah, said, where all the actors are doing their Eddie Murphy impressions and but. Yeah, and it's Eddie Murphy each other. And rather than anyone saying like, no, I'm not Eddie Murphy. If you want Eddie Murphy, call Eddie Murphy. And everyone's just trying to be Eddie Murphy because and and I think that Townsend is kind of making that equivalent to I don't want to go too far, but like to slavery and where Mm -hmm. it's, you know, oh, they want me to be an Eddie Murphy type. I'm going to go in and go. Now, as we're really getting into this, I do want to mention we are two white people yep. our you know perspectives are those of only our own and we certainly welcome input from anybody else who would like to talk about hollywood shuffle you can email us ruinchildhoodspod at gmail.com because we'd love to hear other perspectives talking about this movie because it you know at the time even though it was a little movie it took years to make i think that it was filmed over the course of several years mm-hmm. you know they were filming without permits they were really doing it guerrilla style and you know it's kind of a forgotten movie it's streaming on amazon prime but you know it's definitely been you know kind of lost to time especially because the success following this movie of robert townsend but also Keenan Ivory Wayans, uh, who who co-wrote it and, as we mentioned, was also um, one of the the hot dog, the winky dinky dog. Is it winky dinky or dinky winky? Winky dinky. Winky dinky. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's also Jerry Curl in the noir story. Right. And yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it's just a few years later he went on to create In Living Color. But I think that once In Living Color hit – Hollywood Shuffle wasn't exactly the thing that people were were watching as an example of black representation in Hollywood. I don't know if that's exa- I don't know if how true that is. I I remember Hollywood Shuffle always being in the conversation about these like great early independent films from the 80s and that that brought, you know, new voices out. So Hollywood Shuffle ha- has always been on my radar it's just never Uh been something that's it's been on the outskirts of my radar and partially because right other things you know have have been bigger like in living color cultural phenomenon hollywood shuffles an underground film but i still remember hearing about it reading about it knowing that oh robert townsend yeah robert townsend that's who did Hollywood shuffle and like, mm-hmm. seen Robert Townsend in, in other things, but right. Yeah. And sorry to go back to what you're saying about our perspectives. Yeah. We don't have the perspectives of being black actors or black period. 
in this, but like representation is an issue across the board. Mm hmm. And equity is a huge problem. I mean, every industry, every business, every profession. And, you know, to talk about, you know, things haven't changed enough. I mean, as long as you still have, as long as there's still change to happen, then it hasn't changed enough. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that watching this movie in the perspective of June 2020, there were sleep, the, the, the sequence where Robert Townsend's doing the, the butler, he's got the dream sequence where he's playing the butt, he's doing the butler slave, the step and fetch it stereotype. Oh, yeah. That reminded me so much of Get Out. Mm hmm. Yeah. So much of Get Out that I'm like, Jordan Peele, I mean, has to have seen this. And not that not that he took Get Out from, but I'm, I'm like, there's that just the idea and the vibe of it. I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if there was that tiny bit of influence there for Get Out. Well, I mean, considering Jordan Peele's background in sketch comedy, it's extremely likely that this was a big part of his upbringing, you know, just coming off of In Living Color. You know, they kind of are in the same family, the kind of the, the Keenan Ivory Wayans verse. Yeah. And the Wayans, yeah. Yeah, the Wayans universe, which I love those Wayanses. But I was going back and watching some In Living Color, and such is true with Hollywood Shuffle. But the homophobia in, mm. <laughs> and I think that it's a lot. I mean, every, I think every movie that I've watched from 87 so far, like recently has had some mention of fear of two men being with each other. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a, com I mean, intense. that was a, that's a, I mean, a comedy go to throughout the 80s, 90s. Yeah, I mean, in Living Color, it was hard to find clips that didn't... Ha I mean, some of the core characters are effeminate well, yeah. men. Men on, men on film. I men mean, the on two, film. I mean, those characters... And you, you look at the power. I'm glad you brought up in Living Color because you look at the power and the reach that the show had. You had a bunch of, of suburban white kids like me going into school and doing like three snaps in a Z formation and uh -huh. doing and doing all the voices. Cause it was, it, it was, it, we watched, you watched it and it was funny. I thought about in living color while I watched Hollywood shuffle, because I thought about how I felt like Hollywood shuffle made a point with like, with using stereotypes and, and it, it very much had a purpose and a point to make about about stereotypes and representation where I'm so conflicted on in living color because it's like one of these groundbreaking, you know, shows that's produced by an almost entirely black creative team and, mm -hmm. and cast, but yet some of the stereotypes in it are just being played for laughs and not like homie, the clown. Yeah. Ho like homie, the clown, there's homie, the clown. There was the, like the home shoplifting network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I never felt like those sketches got like, whereas a key and peel, there would be a twist or something at the end. Sure. Well, and I think that the the sketches that you're talking about from In Living Color also are reminiscent of some of Eddie Murphy's characters on Saturday Night Live. 
Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. Mr. Robinson, yeah. I think that in a lot of ways, and it, I haven't seen all all of them. Maybe I have. I don't know. But uh, all of the sketches of Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. But it seemed like they were more dialed in than maybe some of the In Living Color sketches. But I'd have to go back and watch all of them to really. I felt like with it, with, it. yeah. Yeah, with Mr. Robin with Mr. Robinson, it's like the, yeah, the character was a, it was a little like playing into stereotypes. It it did feel with those though that there was always like this little this little twist of like this is how the system wants it. I and it was a little bit more in the 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 recent when Eddie Murphy came back to SNL and did Mr. Right. Robinson. But wasn't that one because there were some really smart things in that one. I think about gentrification. I think that was like the focus of it was gentrification, yeah. Yeah. which is like really smart and, and exactly how it should have been played. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was spot on, but that that's my conflict about in living color because some of it is so great. And there's some like brilliant characters and impersonations. Keenan Ivory Wayne is doing Mike Tyson on yeah. the, uh, the, the first episode Hi, Robin. I mean, that was yet yeah, everyone at school. It's going around and doing it. What we weren't doing the Mike Tyson impersonation. We were doing an impersonation of Keenan Ivory Wayans doing Mike right. Tyson. Yeah. So I think that Hollywood Shuffle is a little bit more direct and focused in its mm-hmm. in its purpose. I didn't feel. I mean, there are some point. The scene when he walks off the set of the 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 exploitation film, the yeah. Jimmy, whatever. And and by the way. I got to call out some some theft. There's some plagiarism here because when he's doing, when Robert Townsend's doing, playing the part and they call cut and they give him the notes and they give him the note to to be more, to, to quote unquote, act more black, I think the director right. says, yeah. which I don't know if you remember a film from about 15 years ago called Crash. Yes. In which Tony Danza says almost an identical line to Terrence Howard. Brit, moving on. Okay, that takes us to Jamal, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right now. <laughs> Cap, Cap, you got a second? Yeah, Fred, I just want to grab some coffee. Yeah, listen, I think we need another take, buddy. <laughs> that looked pretty terrific, man. This is going to sound strange, but is uh, Jamal seeing a speech coach or something? What do you mean? Have you noticed, uh, this is weird for a white guy to say, but have you noticed he's talking a lot less black lately? (laughs) No, I haven't noticed that. Really? Like in this scene, he was supposed to say, don't be talking about that, and he changed it to don't talk to me about that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You think because of that, the audience won't recognize him as being a black man? (laughs) Is there a problem, Cam? Excuse me? Is there a problem, Cam? No, we we don't have a problem. I mean, because all I'm saying is it's not his character. Eddie's supposed to be the smart one, not Jamal, right? I mean, you're the expert here, but to me, it rings false. We're gonna do it one more time. Thanks, buddy. Everybody back to one, I don't remember much of that movie. I saw it once. I was not a big fan, but I had made a video in grad school. 
it it got a little statue for but but as we're seeing today, I'm, statues I'm don't mean shit. I'm, I'm <laughs> totally joking. No, I know, I know, I know. Speak I quick, quick, totally quick. Get you. Yeah. Speaking of statues in the dream sequence where he's winning the Oscar, I like how everybody he calls out the people who he beat in his category are still people who are getting nominated and winning Oscars today. It's like Al Pacino, mm-hmm. but he's also in the same category as Meryl Streep. So I'm wondering, like, what is this category that he's in? I don't know. I, I kind of got the impression that he was just, like, calling out Shouting all of the great out. actors who were also nominated that year for whatever, that he's in their company. I don't know. Oh, I was under the impression that it was they were the you know, opponents for this particular award. And it was all of these male actors and then Meryl Streep. An interesting side project would to be would be to see how many fictional Oscar nominations actors have racked up. Cause like I feel like Naked Gun 33 and a third, mm-hmm. the nominees are like Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Harrison Ford. That's another Weird Al movie. Yeah. Well, he shows up for a second. Oh wait, what's and then there's there uh there's another movie that it's at the Oscars. Maybe that maybe that is the one I'm thinking of. But I feel like it's an ending credit sequence where No, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm totally I cut you mind. off, so do you remember where you were going with any of that? No, I'm just You saying, were talking man. about Crash. Yeah, Crash. Let me ex- first of all, brief explain explanation of why I'm not a big fan of Crash, because I felt Crash was so didactic and it felt like a big long after school special with an A-list cast. And I and some of the perform- some hey uh ooh, making a movie about racism, Angela. Uh mm. I it, it felt like an after school special. Some of the performances were great. I mean Terrence Howard, I know Terrence Howard is <laughs> Yeah, Terrence. Not Howard. any, not anyone's favorite person other than Terrence Howard. But his acting and that's great. Matt Dillon is is great. Matt Tandy Newton. But man, I'm sorry, <laughs> I did not need Crash. But apparently, they needed that line from from Hollywood Shuffle. Thieves, thieves, damn thieves. But yeah, citizens and arrest. Call the citizens on patrol. Okay, yeah. wrong 1987 movie. So yeah, that's I, there's some really great pieces in here. The Black Acting School mm-hmm. is another one of those. It's a sketch. It's the type of sketch that you would have seen on In Living Color, but well, you know, In Living Color maybe wouldn't exist had it not been for Hollywood Shuffle. Oh, of, well, without Hollywood Shuffle, and I'm going to get you, sucker. And I'm going to get you, sucker. Which was a year later. Yeah, yeah, which a, is a year awesome. Year. I'm going to get you yeah. sucker is a movie that I watched as a kid and uh, I'd love to watch it again because I'm sure that I didn't get anything it was talking about, but I just enjoyed it. That's, that's a great one. That's one that I can always kind of turn on. And when I was in high school, I had a teacher who I had a chemistry teacher when I was in 11th grade who basically gave up on teaching my class halfway through the year. There were a couple of characters. There were a couple of characters in the class who made it a bit challenging. And at a certain point, he just said, all right, whatever. So we just kind of started bringing in movies. Uh, okay. And I brought in, I'm going to get you, sucker. I would play, I would do my game where, and if you're from the uh, the New York metropolitan area and grew up in the, the 80s and 90s, you'll you'll get what I'm saying here. But I always used to bring in my, my little VHS cassette and say, oh, don't worry. It's the Channel 11 version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it would get WPIX, uh, 
Yes. I'm like, this is, I taped this off channel 11 Sunday at 3 PM. So there is no profanity or nudity in it. And then, Oh, Oh wait, no, that's right. It was on HBO. (laughs) My bad. But I remember my teacher, Mr. Cassidy, he loved the scene where Chris Rock goes in for the rib and wants to like, and he, he, he goes in, he wants to get the soda poured into his hands because he doesn't have enough money. And then he's like, do you got change for a hundred? Uh, he, cause oh, he just yeah. wants one rib. He's like, I just want one rib. But my chemistry teacher loved that scene. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so we used to rewind it and watch it over again. I loved that movie. Fly guy. So good. Fly guy. Yeah. Again, though, it does, it plays into, it plays, I mean, for the purpose of parody and satire, plays into to stereotypes, but without as much of the messaging. Right. It's not meant to be a message movie. It's meant to be a parody of, uh, of exploitation. exploitation. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, with Hollywood Shuffle, it's Robert Townsend's really making a personal statement and saying, like, if you want to be an actor in this town, not just a stereotype, but you want to act, you want to be an actor and you're black, this is how hard it is yeah and uh you know didn't mention his uncle who was a an entertainer i think he was a singer when he was younger who now owns a barber shop and there's like a a a nice moment where he's kind of talking about why he gave up his dreams of becoming a performer and i don't know it was really there were some really like touching moments hey bobby come on in just getting ready to close up the place. How's it going? Ah, uh, it's going. So yeah, Bobby, what's been happening? How's Grandma and the family? I quit my job. I was working it for three years. And you should have quit three years ago. That job was just a waste of your time. You've got to do it while you're young, Bobby. Before you fall in love and get a family. Because if you don't, Time's got a way of creeping up on you, kicking you in your ass. What if I'm not that good? What if I don't make it? What if you do make it? And what if you are that good? Bobby, you'll never know until you try. You gotta give it your all, Bobby. You got to give it everything you got. I know, because it happened to me. I stopped believing in me. Started listening to all those other people tell me what I couldn't do. I kept listening and listening until one day I started believing it. Lost my chops. Oh, there was magic in the night. Man, when I was singing, I was the happiest man alive. On stage, doing it. Bobby. There ain't nothing to it but to do it. You could be the greatest actor ever born, doing Shakespeare on the stage, playing the hero in some movie. 
Maybe the first black Superman. One day, win that Oscar. You gotta believe in yourself, Bobby. Don't play yourself cheap. Don't ever let anybody take away your dream. Gotta do it while you're young. Yeah. He said, no, I, yeah, I wrote that down because I'm like, that hit home for me. Yeah. Pursuing a career in acting or the arts while you're younger rather than, than waiting and possibly never doing it. Could relate yeah, to Yeah, just that. wait till you retire and then pick it up and become one of those old people that's in everything. Yeah. To be, to pull a Brian Dennehy and just like yeah. work in accounting for years and then just say, ah, fuck it, I'm going to do movies. Yeah. Be a big star. <laughs> Brian Dennehy. I know we've poured one out for him before, but I don't Absolutely. One out. And uh, while we are pouring one out, didn't John Witherspoon pass away like last year? John Witherspoon definitely. Yeah, he passed away. We got to pour one out for John Witherspoon. Yeah. The man's hilarious. Oh my God. So funny. And for anybody who isn't familiar with him by name, you'd be definitely familiar with seeing him on screen in um geez the friday movies friday. i think is where he definitely He's stood out the most craig's dad in friday yeah he Boomerang. was in soul plane bullworth i uh, love him oh man i love bullworth i yeah i think i, I he first caught my eye in boomerang and he plays uh-huh. i want to say it's david allen greer's father in that mr jackson is the role i don't know uh he comes into like I know he he comes in for dinner at like Eddie Murphy's apartment and he's got like the mushroom print inside of his jacket and he's got like oh, yeah. mushroom he's like you talking about coordinating John Weatherspoon man man that is not the outfit for us two guys with gout <laughs> mushrooms well, are gout trigger we, we can wear them we just shouldn't eat them I know I know I what I was thinking the other day is like man are psychedelics not in my future john limited first of all you're supposed <laughs> to drink a lot of water anyway so okay. just drink it's like drink. okay all right here's the here's that wasn't the a serious question was it it was a little column a little column b question dan has had gout for what 15 years something like that Oh, I've had gout now. Yeah, going on 15. It'll be 15 years this summer. It's my gout anniversary. Yeah, and I uh, was recently diagnosed. This is a family curse. So <laughs> sorry to our daughters. No, it's actually no. Women are not uh, prone to getting it. So <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like that's is that going to be another podcast? Like two guys with gout? No, no. <laughs> We've said everything we need to say. I don't know, man. I feel but like the gout suffers are gout of the trigger. world. Yeah, mushrooms are good. But you know what, though? If you if if you just don't eat too many, limited amount in any type just of mushroom. Just enough to get you into outer space? Enough to get you into outer space. Enough to <laughs> add some flavor and strange texture to a meal. But not... <laughs> I wouldn't just go foraging for mushrooms and just... Shoving the mushrooms in Dan your and I will not be remaking the Phantom Thread anytime soon, unless we want it to be hyper realistic. <laughs> no, no one should ever remake the Phantom Thread. That movie's perfect. It's so good. I love it. Like Daniel Day Lewis should have gotten all three Oscars for just that role. 
so we're recording this the same week as the whole cops thinking that they got poisoned at Shake Shack. That's it's that. that right. This is that week. I, I was curious to see how specific you were going to get. What do you I'm mean? Like, well, because when you start saying, well, it's the whole week with cops, I'm, and I'm just like, uh, pretty much Getting the whole a, like, thinking season. Thinking they've been poisoned from Shake Shack just because they got the shits from some milkshakes. But there was a meme going around. They're all lactose intolerant. That's like a uh, some like screen grabs from the Phantom Thread, and it's like Shake Shack employee, and it has Alma with the mushrooms, and then it shows like police department, and it's Daniel Day-Lewis eating. And it's... <laughs> I was like, this is such a specific meme, and I'm so here for it. <laughs> it's a very specific audience for that. Oh, for that me. Meme. That's it. You, yeah. And I would say Paul Thomas Anderson certainly has his fans. Sure. Yeah. That's just maybe in, as far as his movies go, that's one reference that is less frequently made. True, true. I think the I drink your milkshake is you. Oh, that 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 would have been a good That's one. There we go. More appropriate. <laughs> Way more appropriate. Wow. Going to be a we star, could... huge star. Paul Thomas Anderson <sighs> movies, yeah. So, Dan, mm-hmm. any any thoughts about Hollywood Shuffle before we get into our you know, our thoughts about how to bring it back? You know, going into it, I was a little, I tried not to read too much in terms of reviews or critiques, but when I read this, oh yeah, no, and it's like a Kentucky Fried movie, and and I was like, oh, okay, and you know, the running time is pretty short, so, uh, you know, okay, not bad, but it really, I guess this was one time where reading a couple of reviews did not set me up to expect more than what I got. It was so it was it was one of those experiences where I just as I was watching it, I just had a lot of these moments from ah mm, and yeah. really appreciated the thought. I I think the way like if you're going to make a film where you have a lot of sketches to use those sketches to portray the the conscience and inner conflict of a character is, I think, so smart mm-hmm. and it makes this movie Stand out even against movies like Kentucky Fried Movie, which I sure I'm a big fan of Zucker Abram Zucker, but uh, Hollywood Shuffle I I think actually deserves a little bit more uh, more credit than it gets, and it deserves to be uh, to be promoted a little, especially while it's streaming on on yeah. Amazon Prime. Yeah. So, uh, and what are your what are your uh, before we we move into yeah. the well, next so- segment? So going back to what we had mentioned earlier about UHF, a movie that we definitely saw a zillion times, you know, when we were growing up, I feel like looking at these two movies side by side is a perfect example of, you know, white privilege, where UHF is the version of this movie that a white person can do because they don't have the same roadblocks that somebody who is black would have. You know, UHF is about a white guy who's a failure and can't keep a job who is handed a television station. And they they play in similar ways with their you know, dream sequence vignettes that 
you know, have parodies of the exact same things. But like you were saying earlier, Hollywood Shuffle focuses those parodies not just to drive the plot forward of, you know, Weird Al's story, which don't get me wrong, I love UHF and it is perfect, but it could only happen for a white character, especially I think I mean, in, in the 80s. Well, I mean, from the very beginning, the opening sequence is a dream sequence he's having falling asleep at work. Yeah. For no good reason. We're not like, it's not like, like Weird Al is working three jobs and, you know, like raising a kid on his they own. They do have very you know? similar jobs too. He's yeah. at a burger joint and uh, and Bobby is at the hot dog joint. Yeah, but I doubt Bobby would dare fall asleep on the job. No. Well, so I mean, he just wouldn't well, show up because he has he an did, audition. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like like you like you just said, he gets the he gets handed this station to run. So not only does he not have to like worry about how am I going to produce stuff, he's given his own production house where there. I mean, there's a guy who just lives there. Yeah, who's the producer. <laughs> And he doesn't really have to do much other than just, you and know, he succeeds by accident. He yes. succeeds yes. because of somebody else that happens to make his station a success. And yes. then, you know, things work out for him more and more. But yeah. th- that movie could happen to that character because he's white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that's my I mean, my yeah. final observation about Hollywood Shuffle, and it's hard for me to watch it without also thinking about UHF, because you know they're kind of like companion pieces for one another, and I feel like UHF helps prove the point of Hollywood Shuffle. That's a really good point. I would love to see this as like a double feature somewhere. And I normally am not a fan of double featuring two very similar movies, but I think looking at them through that lens of race and privilege would, would really make it, make it fascinating to look at, to Mm -hmm. watch Hollywood shuffle first and then UHF. Yeah. So one of my thoughts would be to remake UHF with a black cast that was like, you know, just to add to that thought process. The other thought that I had was to have a sequel, you know, with Bobby Taylor, that character, you know, 30 some odd years later and where things are now with that character and mm. in that world. Because it's like, you know, he left that movie. He's still goes to go on to act, but we don't see where that leads to. And as time has gone on and uh, there have been movements like, and I don't know if you would necessarily call this a movement, but the whole Oscars so white movement to uh, increase black representation in uh, awards. I, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that would have affected Bobby Taylor as, as he goes on to be an actor. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. My idea was more of a, I guess, kind of a sequel, but not more, but more of a remake almost Mm -hmm. taking that same format. And maybe it could involve like it could be Bobby Taylor in 2020 
kind showing how things really haven't changed. And whereas he's not making the movie Hollywood Shuffle in Hollywood Shuffle, you know, maybe it could it could just be a continuation of it could be coming back to his story and seeing again in sketch format the uh, you know the conflict and the issues being faced put in that setting and i was thinking it'd be fantastic if you could have lots of different almost like combining hollywood hollywood shuffle and i think it was was it creep show where there were like different directors yeah. like creep creep show like where you'd get you know dave chappelle does a segment Mm-hmm. Keenan Peel do do his segment. Keenan right. get I mean definitely Keenan Ivory like there are Wayneses bring you know the Wayneses are out Wayans, there. Robert but bring back Keenan Ivory Wayans and Robert Townsend. Why not get Eddie Murphy get and and get you know find a director get like a I mean a Craig Brewer who I mm-hmm. I liked what he did with Dolomite is my name and it Dolomite's kind of name sh- is great. Yeah shows I mean he's he's a great director but someone like that to kind of assemble it and put it all together but to just you know celebrate these you know these writers and all of these people who have written comedy that has been commentary on on race yeah and using humor look at dave chappelle look at dave chappelle's dropping his netflix special about george floyd and and brianna taylor and about the the movement for for justice why not? Like Chappelle's show is brilliant and Dave Chappelle clearly is still firing on all cylinders. Yeah. So why not bring it like Dave Chappelle doing a sketch on screen, get doing, having a segment that's whether, whether it's he and peel uh, together, which to me, I, that's, that's what I want. Oh yeah. They're so great together. Yeah. They're great yeah. independently as well. And I don't, I, I, I don't know. I always have this moment where I'm like, but does Jordan Peele do comedy anymore? Is he? Of course he does. Why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah of, no, course. of course he does. Yeah. yeah, no, he's he's become such a like icon in the horror genre, though. I don't know that I would necessarily say. Yeah, like psychological thriller genre. And he's got Candyman. Yeah. Coming up, which I think and did he pr- directed or produced that? I think produced it. Yeah. I don't think he directed it. I could be wrong. He's a powerhouse. I mean, Jordan, Jordan Peele could direct this. And, he, Jordan, and Peele Jordan Peele just it. came up like out of nowhere as like a horror slash thriller movie super mind. And, and it was just like, oh, this comedy guy is doing a, you know, a scary movie. Whoa. Okay. Like nobody saw Get Out coming. And it's just so wonderful on, on so many levels. Mm-hmm. I love Us Get too. I might need to see that one again. I, I didn't, it didn't quite get me the way that Get Out did. They're, they're very, very different, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think, no. Yeah. I think that Us was tremendous. I thought it was great. Yeah. Maybe I need to see it again. But, yeah. but damn, Get Out. It's a hell yeah. of a movie. I mean, yeah. So I, I just see like, you know, a new, a new Hollywood shuffle. And what is it like? You know, what's the perspective like now? What is it like being black in Hollywood 30 odd years after Hollywood Shuffle? How are things still the same? It doesn't all have to be set today. You could show a timeline, like almost a satirical timeline. That would be really fascinating. Yeah. Like imagine if you satirized In Living Color 
and you showed and and you just took those stereotypes and turned them up to the point where it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe they put Homie the Clown on on the air. Yeah, right. There was the other character Damon Wayans did. It was like the, he was homeless and he was slurring and yeah. I I forget the uh, I forget I the, the character's name, the character. name, but it like I could see that. What um, would also be o- interesting, <laughs> yeah. What would also be interesting is seeing things throughout time through the perspective of you know a black a black actor or black actors alongside the white perspective of like we've solved the race problem in in movies and look at all the representation that there is now but then there's like the reality of it versus what go watch the help yeah. look at the yeah. help exactly <laughs> so anyway oh boy it's, that's it's, our thoughts on that we'd love to hear what you think though and please write yeah. to us ruinchildhoodspot at gmail.com and if you haven't seen it I highly encourage you to check it it's out. It's not Especially, a very long movie. It's no, it's fun to watch. And may I suggest, because I mean, clearly right now, a lot of people are playing catch up and using movies and documentaries to educate themselves and to gain more perspective that's different from their own. And I have shouted, uh, I've been telling everyone left and right to watch the 13th by Ava DuVernay on, Mm -hmm. which is on Netflix, also on YouTube for free. The 13th, if you're going to watch the 13th in one sitting, you're going to sit down and, and, and really sit with it. This would be an appropriate, I don't want to say palate cleanser, but the 13th will, unless you're familiar with the history covered in that movie, it will it will rock your socks off. And yeah. to continue to, you know, gain appreciation and, and look at the works that show perspectives of black artists, I think Hollywood Shuffle is almost that great companion piece that like I'm going to watch the 13th and, I'm, and then I'm going to watch Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah, I mean that's if I mean I don't know. I couldn't I couldn't necessarily watch anything after watching the 13th cuz yeah, I think that's I just what I was like, thinking wrote is a bunch of emails. I, and, I would suggest then maybe the next day watching yes, Hollywood that, Shuffle. Yeah, sorry. I didn't I guess I I said right after but yeah, it doesn't. Watch the 13th, take notes, sit with it. Yeah. And then watch Hollywood Shuffle. I mean, I guess I'm good. I've seen the 13th cuz I showed it to my classes last year, so I've seen it like yeah. five I've, I've watched it five five times, and I mean, it's burned into my brain. That's great. You showed it to your classes. Yeah, you know, it was a little risky, and I had I probably should have done a little bit more of like sending home notes and letters and things. But I was I was I was getting into an argument writing unit, and I felt like a documentary was a great way to show kids yeah. how an argument can be made and supported with evidence and that and that the most you could take the most out of left field claim or or thesis which not that the 13th is that is out of left field but if you can if you have the evidence like it's not that crazy if you have the evidence so when Ava DuVernay sets out to prove that the 13th amendment to the constitution which supposedly ab- abolished slavery actually ensured its continuance through the clause about a uh you know con- convicted criminals being the exception and it's like no one no one can be a slave unless they're a convicted criminal and then it was like let's make a lot of new laws so that 
we can arrest people. It's bad. Yeah. So, but I, I felt like it was, I was like, well, you know what? If I'm going to show them a, a really challenging claim being supported incredibly well, this is the best thing for me to do. And I had, mm-hmm. I had a black student who was upside of, you know, I don't teach in the most diverse school, but, you know, I have black students and I did have one student who opted not to watch the film in, in the class. Yeah, that's fair. But you know what? She's, she had a space to do that and said, you know, said her piece and explained to me in front of the whole class, which I thought was, oh, I well. thought took, was, was like, took some guts but kind of said that she thought it was like insensitive for me to show it. And mm-hmm. that's fair. And, you know, I said, I, I respect that. I said, here's a pass to go to the library. And, you know, I totally, I respect that. And I talked to her mother and, mm-hmm. you know, did, did everything I needed to do. But yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, there are a lot of my kids from last year, you know, we've seen, they watched that movie and they studied it and they analyzed it. Good. So I am definitely not I am not one to say that, oh, yes, you should watch a funny movie after you watch that. Yeah. But anyway, as you're making your list of of, you know, you're going to watch the films and buy the books and everything and support black artists and filmmakers. Don't forget Robert Townsend, because he was making it happen in 1987 or earlier than that, even though he did not too long ago do a uh, Bill Cosby special. But watch Hollywood Shuffle. It's great. Watch Hollywood Shuffle. Maybe Meteor Man. I've never seen Meteor Man. So I never seen Meteor Man either. I watched the trailer for it earlier and it seems crazy. Yeah. But like yeah. a lot of fun. It's yeah. a superhero movie. Looks looks like a lot of fun. So yeah, he's the superhero movie. So speaking of superheroes, <laughs> there is none greater than our own real life superhero, Arnold Schwarzenegger. A very busy guy in 1987. Very busy indeed. In fact, he would have been much busier if the film we're covering covering next week had come out on its initial on its initial release date. <laughs> Something that I'm sure we'll talk about. Okay. Uh, next time when we talk about the Running Man. Yeah. Get ready. We're going all the way back to 1987 to then go back to 2017, and then sure. a little bit forward to like now um, or 20. You know. The, the 20 teens, the late 20 teens. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, Maria Conchita Alonso, Yafet Cotto, and Richard Dawson. Maria Conchita Alonso, whose name came up in a podcast I was listening to earlier today and I, in, in a non-Running Man context. And I was like, what are the odds? Very slim. I never hear people talking about her. They say lightning never strikes twice in the same place. They also say that you don't usually talk about Maria Conchita Alonso twice in one day, but yes. every rule has been made to be broken. And if all goes according to plan, joining us on our next episode will be somebody who will definitely not be able to pronounce Maria Conchita Alonso's name, my wife, Laura. There are a lot of difficult names in this cast, so... Okay, we'll run down the list of all the names at the beginning, and then at the end, we're going to make her, from memory, recite all of the names. Oh, boy. Well, yeah. She'll get Arnold Schwarzenegger. She'll get Jesse Ventura. Oh, she'll get Richard Dawson, right? Right? No. But but character names, Damon Killian. 
Yeah, pro- she'll get the character names, I'm sure. Anyway, yeah, and we'll find out next time on yes. Ruined Childhoods. Good journey. Good journey. Thursday nights at 8 p.m., America's favorite TV show, There's a Bat in My House, the show that asks the burning question, can a black bat from Detroit find happiness with a white suburban family? Starring America's favorite funny man, the hilarious zany B.B. Sanders as Batty Boy. It's all it's not. Can a bat hang upside down in this cave and get some sleep? He's half bat, half soul brother. Say what? But together he adds up to big laughs. There's a bat in my house. Thursday, 8 p.m.